0: Hi everyone and welcome to the forward thinking podcast it's chrissy here from cs2 today we have justin norris who's back on the podcast for a second time uh, justin just started a new job as the director of marketing operations at 360 learning um, and previously was the senior director of solutions architecture at percuto so we thought it would be awesome to have justin on board as he's just ending his first 90 days in the job to actually talk about how do you handle or how do you approach your first 90 days in a new job in MOPs? Many folks are moving to new jobs, taking new chances on different positions, places. And as you know, the job market is crazy. So much, many people are probably starting new jobs. So I thought this would be interesting. Uh, so thanks for joining the podcast, Justin. It's nice to have you back on.
1: Hey, Chrissy. It's really good to be here.
0: <laughs> All right. So... We always start with how people get into ops, but you you handled that on the, the last time. So I think to start, it would be good to give um, a bit of an intro on how your switch from agency to in-house has been, or even just starting a new job. You're at Percuto for yeah. quite a while. And so, um, yeah, just want to have you kick it off with how that transition's been for you.
1: Sure. Sure. Thanks. And yeah, we've both been, uh, both been on in-house and agency side. So, uh, we both know how different it is. I started out in-house then went to an agency for about seven years and, you know, that was a great experience and, and something I I think is worthy for any, uh, marketing operations professional to do Mm -hmm. just to kind of like hone their, their craft. But, um, but it had been a while and, um, I felt that I was ready for tackling kind of a set of business challenges on a more long-term perspective, you know, an agency can be fun because you get to come in and solve those challenges, um, that the company, you know, really needs external help with, and then you get to go and move on to the next thing. And that's a great experience, but I was ready to, to focus in. Um, and, and yeah, and that's, and that's, and that's what I've gotten. And it's, it's, it's been a transition for sure. I mean, just any job, um, change is certainly a transition, especially when you're going from feeling like, you know, I've been with this company a long time. I know everything. I know everyone to, um, who is everyone and where <laughs> is everything. And you know, that, that can be a bewildering experience under any circumstances. Um, but the mentality is also different in house. I mean, you, you are now the, the client you are, um, you're not just asking like, what are your requirements and trying to solve for them? You're also helping to define those requirements in addition to solving for them, for your stakeholders. So that's a mentality shift. And, uh, I've, I've been trying, and I will see how long I can keep this up, but I've been trying to like have the best of both worlds in a sense of like preserving a bit of that detachment and, uh, and rigor, I guess, that I really liked about being a consultant
0: mm. and that,
1: that kind of bit of like that clinical mindset and, and coupling it with, um, with the ownership and the, you know, really being a, a part of the team that comes with being in house. Um, so I've been trying, I've been trying to meld those two together and have my cake and eat it too. We'll we'll see how it goes.
0: (laughs) I really like that. I think, um, that having that consultative mindset, like you said, like keeping things kind of compartmentalized or clinical approach, I think that resonates because I think sometimes when you're working in house, you it can be hard to try and navigate like people and the personalities and also what you've already done before and or what everyone has done before. And so kind of like separating yourself of like, OK, how can I maybe position myself as this kind of like third party who's going to try and bring people together, even though you're not right. Um yep. and and so but that sometimes can be really helpful because you can kind of be neutral in how you're approaching people and what you're suggesting so i like that i like that mentality a lot i think everyone can maybe take a little bit of that but having flex that totally. extra you know that muscle at percuto is probably really helpful
1: it it, it has been yeah that's I, I i try to think of it as as being kind of like switzerland and people can kind of lean on you as um yeah. yeah, kind of a, neutra- a neutral point of view, um, help help navigate situations, and you're just there to find out what's best for the business and help make it happen. So in an, in an ideal world, I think that's how it can work.
0: <laughs> I should just rename our uh, agency Switzerland.
1: I think the name is taken.
0: (laughs) Swiss 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 mobs. That sounds a little bit like a candy or something. There you go. Um, All right. So uh, you're just about ending your first ninety days, um, which I was shocked because I felt like it had been longer for some reason. But you know, me too. So let's break it down into kind of how you've uh, approached your first 90 days and maybe what people can take as some of your experience. Um, One thing that maybe would also be good is like it's kind of similar also to taking on like a brand new client, maybe more so at CS2. But when we do, Mm -hmm. we actually have a new process that we do where we're really trying to understand the key stakeholders and, you know, try and triage and audit things and like figure out like where, you know, what's the lay of the land. But Um, we'll start with first, the first week and go in the first 30 days, but maybe talking through kind of your approach for really getting up to speed. So in the first week, what are, what were some of the things that you did? Maybe even starting on like day one and two and three. Um, and you know, how, how has this changed for you now coming into more of like a leadership position than maybe what you would have done, like maybe being more of an individual contributor?
1: Yeah, and I th- I think the answer to that question is very much dependent on the context and the environment that you're coming into. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a startup where you're like the first twenty or thirty people, and and you just need to come in and sort of forge your own path, yeah, um, it may be a very different set of steps that you would take versus um, one of the one of the things that 360 learning really focuses on is having a really well defined onboarding process mm-hmm. and you join, uh, we run the whole business through, um, through Trello. So you join and you have your own Trello board that has uh, like, kind of like lists for for each day that you need to follow, like each day of your onboarding and it links off to other materials, courses and things like that. So um, probably in that case where you've got a path laid out for you, my advice would be relax and just follow the process and let yourself let yourself learn. Don't put that that pressure uh, on yourself. And I've I've had the good fortune to be able to now onboard one person um, uh, on my team. Now we'll soon have another in a few weeks, and we'll talk about that. And but uh, my my main priority was just for those first even two weeks, like just to shelter them, not let them get. Um, and that's explicitly the job of the the person's coach, a three hundred and sixty, is to like put that protective bubble around them and not let them get pulled into all these different things, not let them start getting pinged on, you know, whether it's emails or getting pinged on tickets or cards or Slack threads or whatever, but let them just go through the process and gain those fundamentals. Cause you will never have a time where you'll be able to do that. Once you actually start becoming operational, you're never going to go back and like tidy up that onboarding stuff. It just, it just won't happen. So that's the time I use it. I was able to stick to that more or less for myself, but I've really tried to to create the environment um, for the people joining my team to allow them to do that.
0: Yeah, such a... A, uh, a leader kind of like statement like I maybe didn't have that for myself, but I, I'll do it for the people that report into me. <laughs> I do that a lot, where I just think about things that happened to me, and I'm like, okay, let's make sure that anyone that's coming onto the team doesn't have to, you know, go through that. But that's um, a great manager or sign of one. So, um, so as far as team, um, it'd be interesting to kind of get a sense for. of like how your team is laid out or did you come on as the first one and like the hiring and then also the people that you're supporting or key stakeholders yeah um how did you like familiarize yourself with those people like did you meet with them one-on-one um and then like what kind of questions did you ask them
1: yeah that's a big big topic i mean so from a team perspective um I came on as the as the first, uh, as the MOPS leader, but also the only MOPS person to start. Oh. Uh, so that's an interesting experience because you're coming into a bit of a vacuum. Um, 360 had had marketing operations team members in the past, but those people had moved on. Oh. So they were kind of looking to rebuild that team. Now, Um during my my job search process, there were a lot of roles that I looked at where it was like a director level role, but they're like, yeah, and and you know, eventually you could have a team, but we really need you to like it was clear it was a director level role, but really an IC role. And mm-hmm. and one of the things I really liked was that you know as I was applying, I could see that there were already job descriptions on uh, three hundred and sixty Learning's careers page for other marketing operations roles, so I knew that they had approved headcount, that it was a real thing to want to build the team. Um, and so I was okay with like, all right, I know there'll be, I'll, I'll take on a bit more in the beginning, but the organizational commitment is there. Um, and so hiring was a huge priority right out of the gate, you know, the mm. roles already in motion. It's a very competitive market. Um, as, as you know, yeah. um, it's probably, probably the thing that I'm most happy about that, um, had a new person, uh, just start starting her third week right now who's oh. uh, working out really great. Um, and then had another signed offer just at the beginning of this week. And um, That's that, awesome. that, especially when you've gone through the experience of like doing these four jobs yourself, all not super well because you're doing them all <laughs> at the same time, um, feeling like you're bringing, you're bringing in people who can help like extend the capability of the department, the MOPS department is, uh, is the best feeling.
0: Yeah, so that's a lot to do too. So it's like you're familiarizing yourself with the organization now, what has been already done in MOPS, where you can provide value, but also trying to hire and interview all at the same time. Yeah. Um, How did you, let's, how do I say this? How did you decide like how to split up your time? Or was it, what was kind of like the, and maybe this goes into the first 30 days, but like, how did you really, one understand the system like was there any documentation everything like that like and then how did you decide uh, what are your goals because obviously hiring was maybe going to be one of your goals you did that um but based on like getting yourself up to speed how long did that take and then did you use some of that to inform like where your priorities were going to lay
1: yeah so one of the things I i do feel fortunate about is um 360 learning is a very structured organization. It has a very well-defined OKR process already oh, in good. place. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, some listeners may be familiar with that already, but basically like a, a goal setting and, and management process. Um, and so there's a very strong culture of like taking the time to define those things. Yeah. Uh, and I also had a ro- lot of uh, really good inputs from my manager when I joined uh, and a lot of really clear direction on what those priorities were. Um and the expectation was really around, you know, number one, building the team; mm-hmm. uh, number two, uh, starting up um, our ABM capabilities, which we talked about a little bit pre-recording, but uh, just essentially defining this this go-to-market motion, mm-hmm. um, which rolls up to marketing operations here at 360 Learning. And then number three was to build the roadmap. So that was the other thing that was really nice was it's not like I had to go and like make a case to do a roadmap exercise. Yeah, it was an ex- it was an expectation, and oh, the nice. fact that the fact that there was that expectation that we were doing this exercise creates a little bit of a shield against many things. Uh, because if you start getting you know, all these different requests and things, and those inevitably do happen, yeah. especially once you get operational, then you can there's a way to say not yet. So you're looking to say, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to put it in the roadmap. I'm going to – or like my backlog of things to review. I'm going to evaluate it. So it's not like everything isn't this yes or no. Right on the spot, mm-hmm. but it allows you to say, "I'm going through this process. Let's see. Some things, of course, are urgent; they need to be tackled. Um, so, figuring out how to um, prioritize and structure my time—that wasn't the hard part. Um, the hard part, of course, is that there are, in addition to that, just things that are urgent or broken or not working. Yeah. And um, and I've worked. I've worked more um, since starting. You know, it's funny. There's like a uh, 360 learning in general has a, a strong culture of work-life balance and um, and letting people you know structure their lives the way they want um, but I definitely have, I've worked a bit more in in starting just because there's been I think this vacuum and there's been these things to do and um, and it's another reason why hiring was such a priority because you can really you really motivated to yeah. say like we need we need to share this load um, a little bit so it's it's gonna get better and to to come around and address uh, the other question that you got, other half of your earlier question that I didn't get to around people and, and who to speak to, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, part of that was was structured a bit by the onboarding process and mm. you know starting to meet the team. Um, but one of the things, one of the most valuable things from my perspective that I did was to do a really thorough discovery process for that roadmap, uh-huh. um, which I'm still putting the the finishing touches on. But I I booked meetings with um, every, um, we we call our our managers coaches here at 360 Learning, so I use the word coach, which means like a manager of a team or director of a team. So I booked meetings with all the coaches and then with all of the teams. So ultimately, um, spoke to pretty much every person in our marketing team, which is about 35 people, Mm. as well as some of the teams that we support. So we support our BDR teams very closely, so meeting with those coaches as well, and some of those team members. And then kind of satellite um, teams that we collaborate with a lot, Salesforce team, sales ops, uh, CS ops, uh, that are part of a separate ops department, but, um, you know, obviously a close collaborator. And that was just such a instructive process. And I would really encourage anyone to do it, especially early on, because you can come in and you've got no agenda. You've got no like biases. You're really, you know, coming back to being Switzerland, you're just there. And a few people mentioned to me almost that the process felt therapeutic to them. And I actually felt that way mm. as well, where you can really just get people talking and it's like this space to look at things in a, in a fresh light. And you're very fresh cause you're new and they're able to just like detach a bit from the day to day and just think about like, what's really working, what's not working. Um, and you can then potentially surface, you know, if you start to see patterns or concerns, you can surface that to your leadership um if, if those are things that they're not already aware of and you also start to to form those connections you know it's like the a bit like the meme with with the the guy and he's got like the pins on the board and the string between <laughs> yeah. them and he's starts. it's a little <laughs> bit like that but you're just like oh interesting like i heard this over here and i heard this over there and so it um it really just invigorates your mind i i thought and you get to yeah. know people and and you become you know you become that trusted partner um so that's been a hugely valuable exercise
0: that's great. I feel like this is uh, good advice for people who don't even start a new job, but like you you've been on our podcast before and you talked about developing a roadmap and and you know since then even internally at CS2 we've coming up coming up with a framework with to even help us do that with the client and a lot of that has been compiling these kind of like survey questions that we go up to the different key stakeholders and we do up front like even as starting an engagement and then we'll start to check in and do quarterly and the part of the process of there is like getting the opinions of like the other key people making sure that also we're positioning that mops person in this light where they can also lead lead some of that so they're getting they're building those relationships that maybe they felt like they didn't have the time or the authority to do. Um, and then taking it as an approach to really like listen and understand what their key objectives are and um, like what the, the key, what their pain points are. And like you said, you'll start to like uncover, Oh, this is a shared objective. These are conflicting. This is a shared like pain point. And so um, And because sometimes also, too, some people will have a hypothesis. I call them like, oh, our Mm -hmm. demand, like our lead scoring is broken or, you know, or our lead process sucks. And it's like, okay, that's a statement that's kind of like a hypothesis that you're putting out there. It's not even a great one because you don't have any like scientific backing or anything or data. But then like we can actually take some of that and then look at, okay, does the data support this? Does our research support this? Um, And. Uh, it, it really helps to do that. So taking that time to actually do that within your first, you know, 30 days, 90 days, I think just sets that as uh, a normal practice that maybe you can come back to.
1: Yeah. And I, I think you're right. It doesn't have to be something, you know, that you do just when you start. Um, it can be a great way to reset, especially if you're trying to like, I know that you've talked on your podcast a bit before about how do you like reset your role? Or if you feel that you're in a bit more of an order taker kind a of relationship to other people on the team, how do you like start to change that relationship? So that can be a, a great way of doing it as well. And, and yeah, also to your point about like, everyone's coming with opinions and you're, you're not there to like, um, judge the the truth of those opinions or like come up with conclusions. It's, it's a listening exercise and that takes a lot of the pressure off because you're not, I'm not there to like, we're not here to find solutions. I'm just, I'm just trying to understand where you're at, take your inputs and then you can go away and kind of make those determinations. So another thing that really helps that.
0: Yeah. Al- alternatively, like, cause I think some people in their first, 90 days, they make it out like, oh, I need to really make an impact through change. I need to come in and change everything. And I think that can be really detrimental. But, like, what are your opinions about that? And, like, do you think there's any other things that people are really doing wrong when they first start a job and mops, like into a new org?
1: Yeah. I think um, probably the biggest mistake you could make. Is to to try to fix everything right away, or to get like, you know, overwhelmed by how much work there is to do here here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's normal, no matter how any of us, you know, leaving a job would would have things that other people would come in and feel like they they could be improved. So it's normal to have work to be done, and. Um, I think you can get really, like, especially if you have a particular set of standards or a way that you like things to be, you can get it and kind of get caught up in that. Like, oh, no, this is not organized, or, oh, that needs to be done, or this needs to be done. So uh, giving yourself a bit of that space to feel like it's okay. Like, it absolutely, you know, not everything is, is going to be perfect. Like, it's like buying a fixer-upper house, you know, like, yeah. There's going to be lots of things that you need to do, and you're not going to fix them all your first year or your second year. Like I moved mm-hmm. into a new house like four or five years ago, we're still you know every year doing doing things. So it's
0: it's yeah. normal,
1: and um, totally normal. and you And, you give and some yourself things you realize is,
0: it doesn't even matter, right? that's the the funnier part too you're like i don't see that anymore but when you first come into a new house you there's this hype around it you oh my gosh this is our mortgage we're taking on now oh my oh i hate the color of that thing and then you like live in it and then you realize oh oh i don't even think about that anymore
1: that's right that's right right. and it's and that's the other interest like from a consulting to an in-house perspective looking at that too it's like um when you are a consultant of a thing you're paid to have strong opinions about like the right way to do X, Y, Z. So if someone brings you into like set up a Marketo instance, like you're going to want to organize it in this particular way. And, and like, that's important as a practitioner of that craft, but now all mm-hmm. of a sudden um, you're evaluate, let's say you come in and you feel that you need to, to do that, but you're evaluating that against a hundred other priorities and yeah. Um, you really, you know, back to like, what is a mistake someone could make? You really need to apply that business value, business impact test, litmus test against everything. And, and now I, under, now I understand, like a, a lot of times I would look at orgs and I'm like, I wonder why people would do things this way. Like, why is this duck to get taped together with that? And now it's like, I totally get it. Like in this whole new way, because sometimes you just don't have time and you need yeah. to, you need to apply a solution that you know is not necessarily optimal for the long-term, but something needs to happen in the short-term. And so it's the best that you can do at that time. And so you've got, you know, you've got to be okay with that. Obviously you can't do that. Like you need to create the space to create longer term solutions. And like, and that is a value at the company where I work as well, but it's like sometimes duct tape is there for a reason. So sometimes you need a little, a little bit of it. And uh, to to get you to that next day so that you, could, you can keep moving on. Um, so, yeah. yeah,
0: go ahead. Oh, no, I was just thinking, like, it, I kind of approach it, too, because we have long-term engagements with our clients. And uh, one of the biggest things I've had to learn in MOPS, especially when you don't just own that one com- – like, you're not that one person with owning the org and the one company is, like, being okay with some things, like you said, not being perfect – Um, but also knowing that there isn't always just like the perfect solution. Like it's more just coming back to, okay, what's the best solution that we can do now? What's most feasible? What's going to have the biggest impact, um, and with the resources that we do have, but know that like, like anything like with life, like, you know, parenthood, like uh, there's seasons, right? So there might be a season where you're just surviving. You're not thriving. And then once you have that breathing room. You can maybe figure out, okay, now let's go back to that. Let's, let's really, we have more resources and more people. We can do these other things. Let's come back to it. And you can then feel like you're a bit thriving, but more so like, just know for people in MOPs, like like anything, with the state that you're in right now, you might be doing your best, but it might change, um, especially for you. You know, you have a headcount that started. You have another one coming on. That's just going to open up a world of like possibilities for what you can tackle and do.
1: Yeah. Totally, totally true. And so back to your point about priorities, I think that's the main thing. It's like understanding. And that, I try to ask myself this question too, because we get so many inbound requests and things. And um, like you need to understand what is the most important thing I could be working on right now. And mm-hmm. I say that not because it's something I've mastered because i I've, I find it's very easy, especially if you want to help people, to start getting reactive. It's like, oh, I can fix that and I can fix that and I can do that. And <laughs> it's like, yes, you can, but is that the most important thing for you to do right now, you know, for the for the business? And so it's like I I, I don't I'm not a sticky note person, but if I was I would have that sticky note on my monitor and, <laughs> and use that as a reminder. Um and and that, you know, will help you. Um, make those decisions and understand like we're going to I'm going to be okay knowing that this is sort of broken like
0: mm-hmm.
1: it'll get fixed but right now it's it's not and, and that's all right because it's not the most important thing to work on right now
0: yeah and it's not a direct reflection of you as a MOPS person like I think we have to sometimes right. we I think that's why I never go into an org being like oh who did this before this you know like it's more like this is where we're at like I never judge people based on that um because yep. you just never know the dynamics and i say for a lot of mops folks like have a lot of empathy when you come into your new role okay there's not a lot of documentation well guess what There probably is very little documentation at any other org you could have joined or you know start the documentation but like or why is this done this way like don't just blame the person that was behind you because i actually think that just that doesn't look great on you either like try and focus in and look like okay we got to where we are because of what we had available now we're i'm just going to take a different approach and we're going to try and i'm going to try and make this change but i think i think too like trying to be that more positive force because um and instead of like bringing whoever and whatever was done down at the same time
1: so so true you we don't know what that person was dealing with right they may have mm-hmm. had a million things. They may have been on their own. When I joined, I actually looked up my predecessor on LinkedIn and I thanked him for um, a lot of the documentation that he had left because there was a, a ton of work that he he put in to to doing this. Yeah, things. I think it I remember kind of your post nice about moment.
0: that. Yeah, I, I wrote <laughs> I that because I was something. like, "Oh, I
1: just I did." That. I said, "That's a good litmus test for a MOPS person: is if, if your pre- is your successor, would they thank you?" Because I just did it, and I was like, "That's a good." It's a nice, it doesn't mean that everything was perfect, but I, I know that he um, you know, he did, uh, I'm sure, the best that he could with the circumstances he had. And there was a ton that he left me that helped me. You know, and I watched videos that he'd recorded and I kind of started to feel like I, I knew him a bit from watching those videos. <laughs> so, you know, it's a good sort of ha- passing the, the baton, if you like.
0: That's what I love about videos as well. It's like you can just re- Real, it's like someone's able to relive you over and over again, and like yeah. you don't have to do anything we always we do a lot of that at c s t we try and video as much as we can with it for documentation and and sharing and we put it post it into guru and it's so helpful and you can like clone yourself almost we say
1: it's it's funny i i I had recorded a lot of training at my last job, and um you know maybe things will change and those recordings will age out, but for a little bit at least people will uh. Will continue to know me sort of by proxy from. from <laughs>
0: yeah, and they're like, "Oh, Justin, he's my new MOPS friend." He's <laughs> uh. this weird guy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. All right. Well, we're kind of nearing the end of time, but I want to go through the kind of as you're getting to the end of your ninety days, and um, so based on your OKR, it sounds like you've hit the hiring part. Um, you know, getting yourself up to speed. The other part of that is your Roadmap, and it sounds like you've had a great process that you've done to understand key stakeholders and their pains and priorities and um, so How has that process gone? Like do you feel like you're getting to a place where you've defined your roadmap? And were you surprised by some of the like kind of key areas that you're gonna focus like based on from day one to like now almost the end of the 90 days
1: Yeah, so it's an interesting question. I I made a decision um, towards the end of the roadmap discovery process to um, to actually pick up one of the initiatives and start running with it, even before the roadmap was formally done. And I did that because it was just surfacing as such an overwhelming problem. And I was getting, you know, multiple Trello cards about it every week. And, and it was particularly mm. like related to our whole, our whole routing process. You know, some of those requirements had shifted. Um, the, the way the tool that we were using wasn't the most scalable for me. So, um, we'll see whether, whether, um, the facts bear me out on that being a good decision, but I just felt like, um, I know that this is going to be one of the main priorities. Um, I don't want to short circuit the routing process, but I also don't want to be too academic about it or the routing process, the roadmap process, but I don't want to be too academic about it and like wait when I know that there's this thing that's kind of urgent and that I can get it done right now. And and so now we're we're in the thick of that um implementation of a new routing tool and and you know went through a design process, wrote down our requirements, uh went through the alignment solutioning in a tool. So will that be good? I think when we come out the other side, I'll be happier for it. I think we'll have a more scalable system. And since this is such a vital business process, having a system that's going to be easier to manage and easier to update and maintain where we're not constantly getting um, bogged down with you know routing issues and stuff like that um, is going to help. Uh, in the short term, it's put me into a more tactical mindset. And so, I'm trying to go and finish the roadmap simultaneously as, as we're building this. And it's really hard to zoom from like deep into the Salesforce object structure of this new tool and like the, the minutia of the architecture things that you need to do to like zoom back out to like a thousand feet above the forest looking down. And it, mm-hmm. it's really hard to maintain those mindsets at the same time. So that's been challenging. Um, you know, it'll, 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 it'll be fine. As I say, it's, I don't know that this isn't a, a step that recommended to everyone, but it's something that I decided to do just because I could see the urgency of it. Um yeah. and I think we'll be better for it on on the other side.
0: Yeah, and that just the urgency is probably just tied to okay, this is really impacting a lot of people, a lot of like our, our, our part of our business. And so maybe, yes, it doesn't line up perfectly to maybe a core. Kind of like business or marketing objective or whatnot but and it could could be related or could boost the performance of that or or anything you could if it's that important you could probably tie it back um to those goals and i think some of that for new people coming on is like i would say like part of it is looking forward but also it's like okay but what's actually on fire right now and needs to be addressed and let's Let's separate our time, right? like let's say like we're actually gonna focus on this, but at the same time we plan for these things like it I don't think we need to get so caught up into these um messages that are told to us of like you know, don't get caught up in like some of the tactical things. It's like it's not tactical, it's just like something that needs to be addressed and done, and that's always going to be a piece of Ops's job.
1: one I, I mean you it's what we're here for. you can't. You can't get yeah. away from that. Um, you know, it's it would have been nice to like totally finish the roadmap process and then say, all right, and now we're going to do this initiative and then start it and plan it. Unfortunately, like there's all sorts of contingent circumstances that you can't control. Like maybe there's uh, the Salesforce team has a project uh, and they're going to have a system freeze starting at X date. So it's like you've got a do or die sort of date where you have to get something done by or else it's going to get pushed out by many months. Like there are all mm, sorts of reasons yeah. that might... Mm-hmm you know, shift your, shift your focus. Um, and so you've got to be a bit pragmatic as well and be responsive, um, without, you know, just, just losing, uh, losing sight of, you know, what your ultimate priorities are again, coming back to that. So in summary, it's, it's been fun. It's been, um, a new experience. I feel like I'm learning all the time. So I'm really grateful for that. And, uh, it's been a good shift for me.
0: Cool. I'm glad. We'll have to have you back on to talk about like in 6 months or 9 months or the end of the year or something to be like, okay, yeah. how is it after 1 year? What are all the amazing things you've done? Yeah. But um it's always a pleasure talking. Of
1: way more way more gray hair and
0: all. That. <laughs> or less hair, <laughs> I don't know. No.
1: we'll see. Yeah. of hair Thank you. I got, you I got some to spare, but
0: yeah. Um but yeah, it's always a pleasure having you on. And then for like, folks like who are folks. listening, um we'll share uh Justin's uh LinkedIn profile so you can go ahead and follow him there. He does a a lot of great content himself. He posts on LinkedIn and um just always a pleasure to see how he contributes to the Mops world. Um and if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you know, if you start a new job or even if you're just in your current job um, and you liked it and thought someone else would benefit, feel free to share it with your colleague or a friend um, or someone you know in your network. And um, also, if you join the podcast, remember to leave a review. We really appreciate it. So um, we'll see you on the next episode of Forward Thinking. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks, Justin.
1: Thanks, Chrissy.